Last week we talked about uh, radical hospitality, and Don had asked me if that many of y'all have to serve because I had challenged folks to share Christ in whatever way you could. And so he sent me an email and said, um, but how do you do that? So, uh, so I want to share with you something that, that Kit and I regularly do, um, particularly when we're, when we're in restaurants. We'll go to a restaurant and we'll order a meal, and when the meal comes, we'll just simply say to the waiter or waitress, you know, we're going to pray for our meal. Is there anything that we can pray for you about? And so we did it a couple times this week. And, you know, my head always does the same thing. Well, they're going to be an atheist and they're going to argue with you or they're going to yell at you or they're going to do something. We always wait till we already have our food. <laughs> but, but we share that so, so that we can pray. And, and last Sunday, the, the young lady who was our waitress told me, well, you know, pray for my grade school, which triggered a conversation I had later with her about you know, she's at, she's at Gwinnett Tech, and so I'm able to, it opens the door. And it's as simple as saying, we're going to pray for the meal. Is there anything that we can pray for you about? Now, if you're going to do that, because Christians, how are we as tippers? Anybody work in the restaurant business? You know the worst Sunday for tips, or worst day for tips is Sunday? Um, if you're going to do this, don't be stingy with a tip, or just don't do it. Because that'll undo everything that you just did. You know, if, if, you're, if, if you, hey, I want to pray for you, and then you give like a 5% tip, you know, that's not the deal. So, but be generous, we're called to be generous, and that's a simple way to go about doing it. You don't have to, you know. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? You know, it doesn't have to be that, it can be very simple. So, so I continue to challenge you to find ways just to share Jesus however you can, and that's a simple way to go about doing that. Now we're in a series of uh, the five practices of fruitful congregations. Say that fast with me five times. Ready? Five practices of fruitful congregations. Five practices of fruitful congregations. Five practices. Yeah, good luck. Okay. But that's what we're that's what we're looking at. And this week we're going to talk about passionate worship, and where our passage is out of the book of Isaiah, chapter six, beginning at verse one. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, wings. With two he covered that's two. With twain he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he did fly. And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then came one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from with the tongs from the off the altar. He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. So King Uzziah, he died about 800, 800 years, 8 centuries before Christ, and his death was as a time of transition for the Israelites. They were transitioning from independence and prosperity into a time of when they were dominated by a group called the Assyrians. And Isaiah in the temple, he has this amazing experience of the holy. There's no other way to describe it. I mean, think about it. There's, in this place, the room fills with smoke, the foundations shake, these, these strange beings up, show up, 
They're worshiping Almighty God. It, it's overwhelming to even try to put ourselves in that place because God is holy. He is holy other. God is so separate from us that Isaiah is in that moment, in that place of understanding. I'm a man with unclean lips. I am not holy. And our God is holy. The other thing else, it was unexpected. It was, Isaiah was doing his, his regular thing and it was an unexpected moment. How many of you came to church on uh, this morning going, man, something unexpected is going to happen? <laughs> I mean, do we really go, I'm going to the house of God and anything can happen in that place? Because anything can. But we usually, because we're planned out, right? I, I mean, I, I'm not standing up here with nothing to say. I've got, you know, notes and stencils, part, a big part of my week studying and practicing, acquiring, and been rehearsing. Uh, Henry just didn't just show up this morning to magically put together uh, a media program. Uh, we we practice, we rehearse, we 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 plan things out, and there's nothing wrong with that. Probably. That's probably a good thing. But sometimes, every once in a while, the holy will break in, and it becomes something unexpected. Suddenly, we're not dealing with programs or. Or, or my plans, or my priorities, or what I want, it becomes about our God. It becomes about the one who stands above us, stands behind us, and is with us. And even sometimes, when we get off track, he stands against us, trying to get us back where we're supposed to be. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, Isaiah said. Now imagine you're sitting at home, eating your lunch on a Sunday afternoon, one of your kids comes up to you. While you're eating your uh, barbecue sandwich or your piece of cold pizza or, or whatever it is that you're eating, he says, You know, Dad, I was, I, was, I was in my room and I saw on a throne high and lifted up, there were these giant birds and smoke filled the room. And you'd probably take the next bite and go, Oh, I wonder what your cancer would be. <laughs> right? Because that is so out of our realm of expectation, so out of our realm of what our experience is, it's also out of our realm of control. We like control. We like to control the things in our life. We like to control the things as best we can in the lives of those around us. We want to help them to avoid pain and experience hope and joy. And either a good news, bad news thing, depending on where you are, is that we worship a God who cannot be controlled. God refuses, despite our many attempts to put him in a box, refuses to stay in a box. He's bigger than a box. He's outside, the outside of, uh, of any box we create. And an experience of God comes as a surprise almost every time. You know, I'll be going along, and, and my tendency is always to look for what's next. So I'll be doing my normal stuff during the day, and you know, I'll complete something, and then I look for what's next. And every so often, God will kind of go, hang on. And he'll step in and he'll stop me. And in that moment, I will know that surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. You ever been in experience that where you're going along in your day and, and, and something happens or nothing happens except that God gets your attention? And all that can be in your car, can be in your house, 
to be at your work. And, but you know one thing. You know that the presence of God has suddenly shown up. And you see it. But we often we have to stop in order for that to happen. See, God interrupts and He'll intervene, but we have to be willing to stop. And there's three words this morning that are in the bulletin, but really, stop is critical. Stop looking and listening. The first thing is to stop what's going on. Take a moment for God. This morning, when we come here, in a sense, one of the things that we're doing is we're stopping, right? All the stuff that we've got going on out there, we have chosen this morning to go, okay, hang on. I'm going to stop that so that I can go and celebrate God, worship God, spend some time focused on God. Sometimes we do this in an intentional way like this morning. Sometimes it happens for us. Anybody ever driven 70, 75 miles an hour down the road and got stopped? <laughs> yeah, me too. I'll stop you on it. Sometimes we do so much and we get so stressed. Then what happens? Something stops us for me, I'll get sick. It's kind of what I do when I get overwhelmed. Is I'll run until the candle has burnt both ends <laughs> when there's nothing left. And my body will stop. That's one of the ways that we stop. Get stuck. Sometimes we eat really good barbecue. Stops us and gets us taken out. But stopping is a critical part of our walk and of our faith. We have to stop the, the rat race. We have to be willing to step out of it. Isaiah is in the temple. He stops. And, and even there in the temple, God catches him by surprise. He wasn't expecting it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth. What that means is that God's glory is available to us everywhere that we are. When we're out watching our kids play uh, basketball or playing soccer or whatever sport it is, God's glory is available. It's there. When we're down at the fish and we're serving, God's glory is there. When we're at Shepherd's Dad, God's glory is there. When we're here at Bold Springs, God's glory. When you're in your house, did you know that God's glory is there too? God's glory is truly everywhere. But we run so fast that we miss it more often than not. Sometimes that glory will show up through a song. How great thou art. How great thou art. When whatever was going on, we come to the place where we can go, this is a different thing. This is a different place to be. See, God is a passionate God. He wants to be in relationship, not just with us, but with you. With each of you. He loves you. He died for you. He loves you. Passionate about you. He wants you to be passionate about him. And that passion is available to us when we'll stop and when we look. See, Isaiah had to look, right? Once Isaiah's aware of that, that intervention going on, he starts to look around and starts to see some things that are quite different from what they normally are. He sees some things and gets this sense of his humanity in a new way. Woe is me. And think about that. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. What would it take 
for Isaiah to experience that. To go to that place where he goes, I'm not going to stand up anymore. I know who I am. And I'm not going to stand up in the midst of God. That's a place of holiness that few of us experience. <laughs> Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. See, one way of knowing that we're in the presence of the God of the Bible is when we experience that place of God's holiness connecting to our humility, of his strength showing us our weakness. When we say, I am close to you, Lord, but I am lost. When we get close to God, you know what becomes very apparent? How different he is. How pure, holy he is. And how sinful, how we miss the mark. We are. You know, a lot of us say, when I get up to see God, I'm going I'm to just tell Him. I'm going to just get in front of you. i got questions for God. And I'm going to get there and I'm going to tell Him and I'm going to say this and I'm going to say that. No, you're not. No, you're going to do You're going to fall down flat on your face in the midst of this holy, power, all-powerful God and go, ah, oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. Isaiah got it. We can pull that from Isaiah, the presence of God, how powerful that is when we experience it. There was a middle-aged couple, they seemed to have it all together. They had good jobs, beautiful homes, and respect of the folks in their community. A couple of young adult children who lived in larger cities away from them. One afternoon they called the pastor and they said, we need some help with something, we have to go meet our son, he's in trouble. Their son lived a couple of hours away in that larger city, and so they were going to drive and spend some time with him and drive back. Their son had an excellent position, had a great job, but he had been caught stealing on videotape. So all that was crashing down around him, and it was hard to argue when they got you on tape. So they're going to meet their son at his apartment, we're going to bring him home and then figure out what to do next. So they knock on the door in his apartment complex. And he answered, and in that moment, he was in the presence of the two people who love him absolutely the most in this world. And yet he had done something for which he felt deep shame and guilt. You ever been in that place where you know the people love you, but that shame and that guilt plague you, and all you can do is look down? three of them came together, they kind of melted into one being. A lot of tears, groans, a lot of crying going on. Their pain and his pain became one experience. Together. I am a man of unclean lips. I live among people with unclean lips. It helps us when we say those words. It helps us when we confess. Every great revival in the church that I know of started with a time of confession and repentance. Recognizing who we are. We are a people who fall short. And yet, the Holy One of God loves us anyway. 
It's as if the winged creature takes that coal that's heated on the altar. He brings it to us. And through Christ, he places it on us. You're forgiven. I know you've done stuff. You're forgiven. I know that you fall short. It's okay. Get up. Don't do it again. Keep driving. Your guilt has departed. Your sin is blotted out. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that what we're talking about when we talk about the heart of the gospel? That your guilt is taken away and your sin is forgiven. Isaiah has this intense experience of God. It's passionate. It's a passionate moment. We need not dodge passion in our faith. Jesus wept. When he went to Lazarus, he was, he was devastated. He, this, is, this is a man who experienced emotion. He experienced passion. We need not dodge passion. See, when we're uh, let ourselves experience those moments of passion, the very foundation of our life can be shaken. Some of you have experienced that, where the very foundation of your life has been shaken by God. That family certainly did. Through confession, through forgiveness, they joined hands, they said a prayer. It was, it was like, kind of like a death had taken place with them. And I know that sounds morbid, but, but think about it. See, when we're in the presence of God, when we confess our sin, it is death to our old life. When each of us looks at our lives and we look at, at the areas that need to die, we find stuff, we find prejudice, we find anger, grudges, resentments, things that we do that need to stop. We need to stop. Look at our lives. Confess that sin. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, He's faithful. He's just. He forgives. He cleanses. We don't have to pick it up again, but that's what you We stop. We look. We open our eyes and we see the one who takes away our guilt. It's not us, it's Him. And after we stop and look, that's when we listen. We listen for our God. We listen for, for what he might say to us. Isaiah is in the temple. He's confessed. He's been forgiven. And he listens. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who shall go for us? The call of God. If we listen, God will speak. And I'm not talking an audible. Mark, I want you to. I haven't ever had that experience, but I have had God speak to me in my heart that I know that I know that God has spoken to me. He will speak to you. Whom shall I stand and who will go for us? One of the reasons that we're here in this church building this morning is to listen. To be in community. God spoke to Isaiah in the temple. Jesus spoke to his disciples in the country. God is everywhere. His glory is indeed everywhere. God speaks, we listen. We're to be in community with each other. We're to come together as we do this morning. Not just to come together to say, hey, but to be in a community of faith to celebrate God, to celebrate what he's doing, to learn more about him, to get connected 
why the potluck sounds like a minor thing, but it's not, because it's going to be us together breaking bread as Jesus did with his disciples. We get to do that. We're created for community. We're wired for relationships. How we're made. And God invites us to be in more deep relationships than what we've been in before. More passionate relationships. See, we need community to test the call that we may have. Is it a call or is it a bad pizza? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I need to ask somebody, Jerry, what do you think? Is, is does this sound like something from God or is this is I ate something that's disagreeing with? You know, I need somebody to bounce stuff off of to help me discern the call. Because if it's just what I think, man, I get off track. We need one another. We long for people who remind us of God's holiness, who help us to stop. We need people who restore us in God's forgiveness. Did you know that you are forgiven? We're going to say it in a minute in communion. I'm going to say it now. Say it with me. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Now say it like it's, a, it's an amazing, awesome thing. Do you know that you're forgiven? Tell God. I am forgiven. Amen. You are forgiven. All you have to do is confess your sin and he forgives you. He's faithful and just. We'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. How? Amen? It does not matter what you've done or where you've been. You're forgiven. You know what? I'm forgiven. And I know the stuff I've done. After a while, for that family, everyone was exhausted. Mother placed her hands on the face of her son and told him, We love you. Don't ever forget that. We are your She was calling her son into a deeper experience of what it meant to be a part of community, part of Christian community, part of family. And maybe God is calling you into a deeper experience. Maybe you're pushing against it, maybe you're not. Maybe he's trying to trigger in you a passion that will compel you to live a life of worship. See, a life of worship means that we worship everywhere that we are. We read Romans 12, 1 and 2. Our spiritual act of worship, how we live our lives. Maybe God's calling you to share your life with a small group in this church. We have three Sunday school classes. We have lots of room in this building for other classes. There are places in your home if you led to lead the Bible study. UMW is trying to gain, trying to get with other women to grow. Because when we're together, we have power. We don't have when we're alone. The same is going on here. Is that about this man? God is calling you to some place in this church, some place in this body. Mother was saying, "There's nothing you can't do alone. You were never intended to do this alone. Never. You can't do it alone. You weren't intended to do it alone. Stop trying to do it alone, please. Let's do this together. We got some strength and some power." God wants us to experience the holy. He wants us to be in awe like Isaiah was in awe. Isaiah was in awe. It's like, it's hard to fathom that place. See, there's a passion that comes with our faith. 
And it's not a clean thing, because our faith is messy. We live a life. We're in the world and not of it. But there's passion. He loves you. We all need somebody in our lives who's going to get our attention, maybe walk up to us, put their hand on our face, we, we love you. We need you here. 